Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is the top of the week as we record this Monday, March 7th. It's going to be coming to you on Monday, March 14th. We're not sure what will happen in the interim. Uh, right in and let us know, uh, do you think we are at the time period that later historians will call the beginning of World War III, or do you think we are still as a society in a continuous cycle of news that never stops and never sleeps? Or why not both? To quote the old uh, internet meme, uh, today's news is going to take us to an aspect of the uh, Russian war in Ukraine that hasn't been reported as much and has a lot of conspiratorial threads to unravel. Uh, We are also going to encounter a grisly story in Denver uh, toward the end of the show. Um, Just just, you know, it is uh, it is grisly, but it is also fascinating. And if you like us are sometimes saying, hey, I want to hear about 
something a little different. You know, like I understand COVID is important. I understand that geopolitical tensions are on a massive rise. But I, I want to know what else is going on in the world. And I'd like to maybe hear some spooky stuff. Then maybe that's where we start today. We've got a got a spooky tale for you. And um, full disclosure, Matt, Noel, and I, uh, we share just very high-level notes with each other, so mainly so that we don't accidentally do the same stories. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, had you guys had you guys heard of this before you saw it in the notes? Uh, I don't know about the Killing Stone, no, but it sounds like the name of a of a thriller, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew about the Killing Stone. I didn't know about the recent development. Oh, you knew about it in a, uh, before this, huh, Matt? Mm-hmm. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. How are you familiar with it? Just mythology stuff that basically you've gotten me into over the years, Ben. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Oh boy. Well, let's see. Let's see if it's still a congratulations moment. So, uh, and thank you, Matt. But uh, <laughs> here's the story. So. In Japan, for a long, long time, there has been something called the, and we're not Japanese speakers, so please, please bear with our pronunciation, the Sesho Seki Stone. This, colloquially known as the Killing Stone, has a rich and strange mythology. According to the longstanding regional folklore in this area, in the volcanic mountains of Nasu, which is uh, in Tochigi Prefecture in Japan. It's a place famous for sulfurous hot springs. Big, big deal in Japan. People love hot springs. But, like, you don't want to hang out in a sulfurous hot spring, though, do you? Or do you? (laughs) It kind of depends on the amount of sulfur, I think. Uh, Okay, fair, uh, fair. Capybara, love them, as you know. Uh, So this stone— Wait, what? I'm sorry. Capybara love hot springs. Oh, okay. Got yeah. Oh, uh, the YouTube I'm videos. Back. I'm alone. back with it. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna save all of us after we do uh, the episodes for this week. But uh, so yes, the stone is believed to either contain a corpse, a transformed corpse, or it is believed to have once upon a time actually been a corpse, the corpse of someone named Tamomo no Mai. Uh, or Tomomo no Mei. Tomomo, according to the story, if you look at Tomomo, is like a real uh, attractive lady. Really smart, you know, got the personality, whole package, laughs at your jokes, even when everyone, you know, knows they fell a little flat. Uh, perfect person. So they also, call a good friend. Yeah, yes. <laughs> also a uh, would-be assassin. The story goes that Tamamo no Mei, back in the 1100s, attempted to kill the emperor of the time, Emperor Toba, who ruled from 1107 to 1123. And this was a plot hatched by a feudal warlord, as Kate Blanchett says in Lord of the Rings, men above all else desire power. Uh, so, so it didn't work out. She got caught. And then... She died and apparently either was entombed within this stone or became this stone, depending on the stories you read. But she wasn't what she seemed to be. The legend was that the idea of being this beautiful woman was merely a cover story. And she was, in fact, an evil nine-tailed fox. 
your spirit uh, locked away in a hunk of lava. Okay, that's great for tourism, right? You go to the visit the Sulphur Springs and you say, hey, there's that stone. And someone says, hey, can we touch it? And someone else says, oh, no, if you touch it, you die. It's a, kind of a big attraction here. <laughs> sort of like a reverse Blarney Stone kind of situation. Similar, similar, yeah. And I'm not uh, too much of a germaphobe, I think, to touch Blarney Stones. So I like the idea of one of the attractions being a thing that you're not supposed to touch. And I looked through and I couldn't find, just to be clear, to step out of folklore here, I couldn't find a um, an example, at least a, a recent documented example of someone touching the stone and immediately dying. It's meant to be instant death. It's not like, you know, a month passes and you wear a hat and it looks bad on you and then you die. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and I like that you had a very specific part of, of horror there. So credit where credit is due. That is a mighty Boosh reference. That is a Noel Fielding joke. So I'm not trying to steal that one. But uh, yeah, nothing worse than wearing a hat that's not flattering. And I, I did appreciate it. All right. So what you would see if you were familiar with this stone is pretty disturbing as of March of 2022. Guy came out on social media and noted that the stone had broken in half. This this Ooh. stone, yeah, this stone was a pot, like, you know, this is the kind of thing that catches on fire in the world of social media. I believe it was at Lily0727K uh, in Japan who originally posted the discovery of the stone having cracked in half, uh, and this went viral. It took off. It's strange because, first, again, there, there's not proof that anybody has, in fact, died as a result of this, of touching this thing. And again, to your point, it's immediate death. Uh, I guess you could argue on a technicality, yes, anyone who touches this stone dies because everyone at some point dies. <laughs> But then that's like everything you touch is the killing thing. Oh, my gosh. Let me have some of my killing coffee. That's it that's for me, right? Killingly yeah. delicious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, so, yeah. something's going to kill you, you know, whether it's just time or, you know, some sort of accursed object. Maybe for now. So I went over to Snopes because the, the first thing that you need to do when you read about viral stories on social media is figure out. If it's true, what part of it is true, et cetera, et cetera. And Snopes actually verified, yes, this story is true. There has been longstanding folklore and mythology about this stone. Uh, it has split in twain. And it's definitely, you know, there are definitely people who are speculating in the area with some degree of satire in some cases and with some degree of genuine superstition in other cases, that this could be an omen of some sort. This could be a sign uh, that the uh, that Tamamo may be on the hunt, freed from her supernatural prison. So I want to do two things really quickly to one on the skeptic side and then one maybe a little bit. Um, to inspire a bit of hope for people who possess those supernatural concerns. Possess not being the best word to use in this conversation. Uh, so if you go to, if you take a, a page from the Japanese website, Yomiuri Shimbun, uh, you will see that 
they spoke with the Nasu Town Tourist Information Center to get confirmation that the stone had indeed cracked. And the officials, to their credit, provided a pretty accurate, pretty objective description of what happened. They said, yes, the stone split in half, but there had been a crack in this stone for quite a while. And this is, uh, you know, it's a mountainous area. It has rain. It has freezing temperatures. And when rain, like as soft and cool as rain can feel, uh, rain is also capable of uh, eroding things over time, right? There, there are no stones that can stand a river forever. And what they believe happened, which sounds completely reasonable, is that Rain got into the crack, erosion was occurring, and of course, as we know, when water freezes, it expands. So every time the water got in the crack, it expanded a little bit more, a little bit more, driving this, uh, at times, ghostly wedge into the stone. So you could say it was a jailbreak on the part of meteorological phenomenon. And maybe it's just a fun story people tell each other, but what if it's real? What if... The evil nine-tailed fox spirit of Tamamo Nome is out and is looking for anyone who is in the area. Should we fear it? The answer is, I know, Shades of the Ring vibes, right? I was about to say, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be chaos. Yeah. Well, this is where we get to the folklore thing. This is where I want to end before we move on to the next story. As you know, the story goes that she was killed by a famous warrior, and then her body became the Sesoseki, or was entombed within that rock. Much later, a Buddhist priest by the name of Geno, G-E-N-N-O, stopped for a rest while he was walking around near the stone, got threatened by the ghost, like, you cannot touch the killing stone, and then performed a Buddhist exorcism ritual, a series of them, begging Tamamo to consider her salvation. She relented, and she swore that she would haunt the stone no more, or at least in some way, you know, class up her behavior. So if if you are one who believes in spirits, in things of an invisible world, uh, then hopefully... You, what you can take from this story is that you don't have to worry about Tomomo. There are bigger things to worry about in the world. We're about to talk about two of them, but you don't have to worry about a vengeful ghost of a supernatural fox. So if you've got that on your list, go ahead and cross it off. Congratulations to everyone. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with more strange news. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more 
while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back with more strange news. Um, I think we're all painfully aware the news cycle has been pretty well dominated by the um, conflict in Ukraine uh, Russian forces breached the border of that country and have now, I believe, successfully held at least one or two cities, um, quite a few casualties, a lot of information on social media. Um, I, I saw a quite tragic, I think it was a TikTok video where it was a woman saying, my life before the Russian invasion. And it was just the kind of thing you see people sharing on TikTok, like, you know, dance parties and karaoke and lunch with friends and sunshine and happiness. And then post-Russian invasion, and it was, you know, bombed out shells of apartment buildings and, you know, troops marching in the square and, and things like that. So, I mean, this is a very real uh, situation for 
the world, but most importantly, people that live in Ukraine. Um, you've made the point, Ben, quite a few times that a lot of people before this news event, uh, I hate to, I'm not trying to diminish it by just describing it as a news event, but I mean, in terms of the way Western audiences have been exposed to it, it is kind of that, would have been hard pressed to point Ukraine out on a map. Now, there's a lot of cringy celebrity videos supporting Ukraine. There's a lot of potential for, you know, making it sort of a fashion statement to be pro-Ukraine and anti-Putin and all of that. Um, but we're also starting to see some interesting things emerging, uh, iconography specifically. So it looks like as of maybe last week, um, there is a symbol that has emerged as a kind of dog whistle way of expressing support for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And it is the letter Z. Uh, I, I was just made aware of this this morning. Um, like you said, Ben, it hasn't really been covered a ton. And I think the reason for that is no one's quite sure where it comes from. I mean, the thing that initially hit me was, you know, the president of Ukraine has been kind of lionized uh, in the Western media, uh, particularly in, in social media, as this real hero because he stayed behind. He could have fled. Uh, he could have, you know, been um, airlifted to safety by allies, but he chose to stay. And he's been being very vocal about that and being on the front lines with his you know, cabinet and, and, and the like. And so I thought maybe the Z was kind of like a, almost an ironic, you know, way of mocking President Zelensky, um, being that his last name starts with a Z, because Russia uses uh, the Cyrillic alphabet, and there yeah. is no Z Not in the one. Cyrillic alphabet. So that's interesting. And we're seeing this manifest itself. The, the, the thing that really like brought it into the forefront of the news was that a Russian gymnast um, really made some waves when he was competing in an international gymnastics competition. His name is Ivan Kuliak, and he's actually facing disciplinary actions from the governing body, the International Gymnastics Federation, or FIG, uh, because of what he did, he won the bronze medal and, you know, has medal ceremonies. You kind of stand on these tiered platforms and the guy standing next to him who I believe won the gold uh, was a Ukrainian gymnast. And, um, you know, this dude is very young. This is Ivan uh, uh, Kuliak. Uh, and you could see a very small letter Z um, clearly made out of some kind of painter's tape or, you know, I don't know if it's like with a paint pen or something, but it's on his chest, like almost like a, like a blazoned, like a superhero logo. And that, that's what, that was his protest, I suppose, or that was his way of expressing his solidarity with the invading force uh, of Russia. That is his home country. Uh, and to do that, you know, with a Ukrainian um, uh, citizen next to him, obviously has some very problematic uh, implications, especially in what's meant to be, you know, a uh, sportsman-like competition that shouldn't necessarily be politicized. But as we know throughout history, Ben, I know you can speak to this in terms of like when the Nazis were in power and the Olympics took place, you know, it was highly politicized. Uh, I believe, wasn't that right, Ben? Did the, the Olympics take place in Germany mm -hmm. when the Nazis were in power before we knew the extent of the Nazis' uh, final solution? Yeah, in uh, 1936, the Nazis had the Olympics over in Berlin. And 
<laughs> and it was it was an awesome blow for uh, I'll say it. It was an awesome. Oh, blow Jesse Owens, for, right? For yes. Americans, it was awesome blow for uh, people of color, uh, and it was a bad day for Hitler, which I I'm a fan of that guy having. Bad when you days. say a blow, you mean a blow executed by not towards because an african-american um beat the german i believe it was in a, a foot race uh, a sprinting kind of situation or a you know triathlon type of thing yeah jesse owens was is the one people mention the most often because of that iconic moment However, I do want to point out that at the 1936 Olympics, there were 18 black athletes who went to Berlin as part of the U.S. team. Uh, and this was, of course, during time of widespread codified racism against black people in the U.S. And they still made the decision to represent that country. Uh, so, yeah, there's I think what we're saying here is there there is a lot of soft political power in the world of international sports, you know, like from the World Cup to the Olympics and, and what have you. Probably even curling at some point. There's probably been a diplomatic <laughs> fracas over curling, but... Shout out to Max Williams, mm -hmm. uh, the curling expert in, in our bunch, uh, mm -hmm. producer of Ridiculous History. And um, uh, it goes beyond the gymnast, though. That's how I learned about this, but it also goes mm -hmm. to uh, one of my favorite former Russian spies, Rocking a Z. You saw that, right? No, give it to me. There's a lot of like examples of this, and I have a few more, but please. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, you remember you remember this person, Maria Butina, who uh, was caught spying uh, and doing some doing some honeypot operations, frankly, uh, for the Russian forces, is also repping the Z, which, as you said, Noel, does not exist in Cyrillic. Uh, and I would I'm tempted to connect this with the earlier quite successful Russian psyop of QAnon, right? They said, hey, we just have we did a letter last time and that worked. What are some other letters? Ben, I, I appreciate <laughs> you like just hardlining that perspective. I think maybe there are many that still don't believe that uh, Russia was directly responsible for QAnon. And I think maybe the official line um, in the United States has not necessarily fully confirmed that yet, but I think you're absolutely right that that is almost certainly the case. Well, uh, I blame Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, they definitely fanned the flames. But, you know, just like a child, it takes a village uh, to really do propaganda. Well, speaking of children and propaganda, I think the most egregious example that I've seen, th th there have been a lot of highly produced videos coming out of Russian national television um, of, you know, troops, for example, standing in arrays, uh, you know, where their their bodies are forming a giant letter Z from like aerial photography. There was a particularly nasty image that uh, that came out of a collection of um, armbands from fallen Ukrainian soldiers in the shape of a Z. But uh, speaking of, again, ch children and propaganda, I think the saddest and most divisive example of this is uh, there's a, a article from The Telegraph in the UK. Um, this is the headline speaks for itself. Russia's terminally ill children line up in letter Z symbol to show Kremlin support. Children <laughs> don't necessarily have fully formed and informed political mm -hmm. opinions. Mm -hmm. This is something that the administrators of this, it's a hospice. You know, these are ter terminally ill children with cancer, you know, who are going to die. Uh, and they are being made a um, 
symbol. Literally, they're literally their bodies are being turned into a symbol of something that they really have no way of fully wrapping their heads around. Um, and it's it's rough. Uh, the the um, administrator of the facility uh, had this to say. It's a guy named uh, Vladimir Vavilov. He's the chairman of a cancer charity that runs this hospice in Kazan, uh, which is in central uh, Tatarstan region. And he had this to say, our patients and entire team took part in it, about 60 people in total, people lined up in the form of the letter Z. In our left hand, we held leaflets with the flags of the LPR, DPR, Russia, and Tatarstan, and we clenched our right hand into a fist. Well, look. Um, I'm not saying that's good. Um, again, it may not sound great to someone listening to this in the West who grew up in the West who lives in a Western country. But when you think about all of the citizens that are being exposed to the national stance and the news coming out of Russia officially, perhaps you do agree and perhaps rightly so that Russia's actions are good. And on your behalf of, of the, all the people of Russia, this is what needs to be done. You may have that belief because that's what you're being told. That's the information uh, you're working with. Yeah. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. Not trying to be middle of the road completely here, moderate to, to our own fault, but you just have to imagine individual citizens like that. I don't think you can hold them necessarily accountable. Even that, uh, even that, Younger kid who was the gymnast, he's thrown a Z on his chest. We don't know exactly why. I don't know why, but he probably is trying to perhaps stand for whatever the official line is of his country. Well, it's a, it's a weird thing right. to think and about. And the, re- the rhetoric over here is the essentially, I mean, depending on what network you're watching for the most part, but even I think the more right-leaning networks are, are beginning to, you know, kind of dispense with some of this pro-Russia rhetoric. The whole evil empire idea is definitely kind of starting to, to make, a, make an appearance, uh, at least in terms of the, the tone of the reporting. You know, you have President uh, Biden saying things that are staunchly anti-Putin in terms of like what he is doing is evil. You know, what he is doing is against all of our um, morals and and all of the agreements we've made in terms of like international peace that he is is flying in the face of all of that stuff. So it's, it's, you know, you're right. It it is, it is important, I think, to to think about both sides and to think about how even the media that we're exposed to here to, to a degree, I mean, more than a degree, I think many degrees is slanted and has a perspective. Perspective. So you're right. You can't necessarily hold people accountable when they're trying to just have pride for their their country. I, I'm not trying to give a both sides argument I, because there are millions of people being displaced right now. You know, mm-hmm. thousands of people dying. Right? right. And it's it's directly by the actions of the Russian military and, and those who are paid by by them. You don't have to take a moral stance on that. That's just wrong. Um it's well, it depends the on their. Is, it depends on if you agree with their justification for it, though, or not. You know, not like, well, if, 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 I, civilians <laughs> makes it a war crime is the issue. Uh, yeah, but the well, we kill civilians all the time. Is, is, uh, when I say we, <laughs> we, I mean the United States kill civilians in collateral damage. We, you know, do drone attacks, and I would so, argue that's yeah. a war crime. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I would. I'm not an American I would agree exceptionalist in any regard. In that. In that. Sense. I would agree with you. But all I'm saying is that there are complicated caveats in any nationalistic or you know patriotic stance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you can support your country while still speaking out against those very very nasty and preventable uh, civilian casualties. Yeah, agreed. And that's that's the way it is. The people are not the government. 
no matter what the people in power can try to convince the population of. Uh, and I think we're making fantastic points. I did want to say, I know we got to move on, and maybe mm-hmm. this is a full episode, but I did want to say, uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, the Russian Ministry of Defense made a statement about this. He sure did. Very on Instagram. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> they explained that uh, that Z meant, uh, I believe, what translates to for the victory. Exactly. That, that, and that's there's 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 chance of Russian troops and Russian citizens waving their flags, chanting for Russia, for the president, uh, for Russia, for Putin. Um, I saw a video and then I'll wrap this up where there was some um, conjecture that the Z also was a way of um, preventing friendly fire, because if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. the models of the Russian and Ukrainian tanks are either identical or very similar. Yep. So if you have the Russian tanks marked with a a big white Z, then it's easier to differentiate between the two. But you have people, you know, in in Russia putting these on their cars, wearing them on their clothes. There's state sanctioned, you know, uh, merch essentially being distributed with these Z's on them. And it is becoming kind of a thing. But the actual etymology of the Z, there's a word, Ben, I think the de- the translation of which you just described um, that, that phonetically would begin with a Z. And I'm sorry, I, I, I'm spacing oh, on what uh, the word Zalpobedl. is. Right. Just like 50 Let Popity, the name of that awesome Russian icebreaker I wanted to take a trip on one day actually means 50 years of victory, not Popity, which sounds just weird but, in English. But then opponents, of course, are drawing similarities to the Z and like the swastika, you know, and the irony there is that the the big uh, impetus, according to Putin, for invading Russia is to denazify their country. We did a two-part episode recently on this this conflict um, and, and what we know now, and then a, including a thing about the you know the SWIFT, the banking system, and all of that. But just to reiterate, you know, there are pro-white supremacist Nazi-leaning factions within the uh, the Ukrainian military, but there, there are within the U.S. military too, and within factions of folks that would consider themselves Americans and patriots. So. It's hard to it's hard to take it at face value um, that this is some sort of like, you know, insidious threat that has to be dismantled instantly or else it's going to cause some sort of seepage of, of this type of ideology into that part of the country. It just feels very disingenuous, especially given, like we talked about in the episode, that uh, President Zelensky is himself Jewish and he has family um, that died in concentration camps and also family that fought against the Nazis. So it feels a little weird. And there are certain you know, folks that are tweeting out uh, graphics using the Z. If you take two Zs and superimpose them across each other, it looks like it looks like a swastika. So uh, not saying that's the intent, but it, it does have eerie, especially when, when a, a new, you know, a symbol like this just kind of comes up and then you have sort of like analogs from history. It's hard to ignore that. Um, not saying there's an alignment of ideology there at all, but it's still, but it still is eerie. I, I think you're right, Ben. I think, you know, again, we don't know exactly what this is from. We have some ideas, uh, but this is an ongoing thing and we're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back with one more piece of strange news. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. And rather than just reading this headline, we're going to let CBS Channel 4 out of Colorado give you the rundown. A box of human heads intended for medical research 
has been stolen. Denver police are trying to find out who took them and why. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, what's in the box? True story. <laughs> It's in the bo- oh, it's human heads. Yeah, it's it's not just Gwyneth Paltrow's head. It's it's many human heads. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, spoilers. No, no, I didn't. I, 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 it's a spoiler. I, exactly. That's what it yeah. is. It was the Mandarin's head in the box the whole time. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, got you, th- Matt. This is a story. I think we saw. Um, we saw pretty pretty recently, and like like I was saying at the top of today's show, so much stuff is fading from the news. Things that would be like would garner more national or even international attention if we weren't living in such troubled times. But uh, what are what are the details in this? I don't want to make it awkward, but you were not involved, right? Uh, not this time. No. Okay. Okay. Well, here, really, we, that's all you need to know. That's the story. This is the segment. We can go ahead and end the show right now. This, there is, you, no. Everybody needs to be aware that a box of human heads was stolen in the Central Park area of Denver. Keep uh, an it eye is not out. Recovered. If you see yeah. it, if you run into it, call the authorities. Yes, the authorities have asked for you to give them a call if you do, in fact, see the box of human heads. Uh, <laughs> um, so these uh, are heads uh, that here. were like donated to science. Like the, when you when you click that organ donor thing, is it? It's usually just a catch all kind of that could include it's, your whole head, right? This this is not organ donation. This is a this is a okay. whole different Got thing. Okay. This okay. is donating your entire body to science. And we're we're going to talk about that in just a second. Well, I'll, I'll give you the details here from the Denver Post. You can find this by searching box of human, really just search box of heads and you will find it. It's all over the place right now, but this it's one is not titled, the movie eight heads in a duffel bag. It's the, <laughs> yeah. it's the one that comes it, up. It's after not that. the comic basket full of heads <laughs> by Joe Hill, which is a great read. Um, it's something, yeah. it's something else. And, and Matt, I, I think the honor goes to you to describe a little more about the legal standing of these heads. If that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. Oh God, you yes. must, you must. Okay, cool. Tell us the here. rights of these heads. Let's get ahead of this story. <laughs> oh, God. Hold on one second. I'm just going to read the, I'm just going to read a bit from the Denver Post. Everybody has the same info here. So this occurred sometime between 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday, the 2nd of March, and 9.30 a.m. the 3rd of March, which is a Thursday. The truck, according to the Denver Post, was parked in the 7700 block of East 23rd Avenue. It was a blue and white box with a label reading, quote, exempt human specimen. Mm. Mm. And somebody decided whatever's in that is mine now. They also stole a dolly that was on the truck because uh, I guess it was heavy. Uh, and human head weighs eight pounds. Uh, I heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's the number to call if you do, in fact, find this box by the time you're listening to this. Maybe you're the one and you just happen to be listening to a podcast while you found a box of human heads. The number is 720-913-2000. That's the police number. So don't call that. Unless you got eyes on the heads. Correct. All right. Now, so let's jump to the difference between donating your body for science and Mm -hmm. donating your organs. Uh, Well, let me just (laughs) when you donate your body. You're not going to have your organs removed to be donated to an individual person who, let's say, needs a kidney or a liver or a heart or something like that. When you donate your body, you are specifically donating it for medical research and study, study for medical education. When you donate your body to science in this way, generally you're 
you were donating to a specific program within the state that you live in, if you live in the U.S. And uh, some states have multiple ones. In Colorado, there is only one place you can really sign up with to donate your body to science, and it's with the University of Colorado. I'm just going to read from a quick study here titled Bodies for Anatomy Education in Medical Schools, an Overview of the Sources of Cadavers Worldwide. And here's the quote. Today, the most common sources to have a body for medical use like this are body donation programs like the ones we're talking about and unclaimed bodies. That is bodies of individuals who die without relatives or friends to claim them for burial or without the means to afford burial. This is John Uh, or Jane Doe's, correct? Correct. Correct. John or Jane Doe's or you specifically sign up to have your body donated to science and you can go to ieds.online and find each state's body donation program in Colorado. It is the Colorado state anatomical board, which is in Aurora, Colorado. And if you go to their website, you can learn all about it and you can sign up yourself if you wish to donate your body in this way. So what does the exempt part mean uh, on the label? Exempt human remains? Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. What does it mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to throw this in to clarify, <laughs> if you if you go to the post office, and I love I love learning unexpected things from strange, seemingly innocuous sources. If you go to the post office, you'll see that exempt human remains or exempt human specimen is something that uh, falls under their policy regarding packaging instruction 6H, exempt human or animal specimens. It means roughly, I'm just quoting, um, so don't consider this research on my part. I'm I'm quoting a website here. Uh, It means a human or animal sample, including but not limited to secreta, excreta, blood and its components, tissue and tissue fluids and body parts transported for routine testing, not related to the diagnosis of an infectious disease. Because those couldn't necessarily go through the mail, right? Like like anything that was some sort of biohazardous could not be shipped through these same means. Well, they would be exempt to, you could ship some of those things though, conceivably. And you kind of have to when you're tackling large scale um, infections or outbreaks. It's just that stuff has to be shipped with policies that apply to hazmat, hazardous materials. I uh, see. They got to be packaged differently. But this is just saying there's a very low probability that the sample is infectious. So for those people, <laughs> so maybe who just stole- some some packing peanuts, you know, like some uh, you know bubble wrap, uh, not necessarily some sort of like you know uh, ironclad containment system in these. I'm I'm joking, but so for those people who stole. A box of heads, whether or not you knew that box indeed did contain heads, a little bit of silver lining for you. You're probably not going to get infected with some sort of plague, but still you did something really messed up. And for those who believe in karma, yeah, it comes back around, man. If you Matt, do we understand the intent behind this uh, theft? Was it maybe like they didn't know what it was? They just thought... It could have been something of value. Like, what do you do with these? Where, where do you fence stolen heads? We have no information with regards to intent or who the person was. Uh, we know nothing about that right now. Uh, but we do know 
a little bit more about the donation process. I just want to go through that with you guys a little bit. The reason why it's called that exempt remains in, in specifically that box with heads is because when you donate your body, you have to meet certain criteria. And you can't have a lot of those things, the infectious things you're talking about there, Ben, like things that would be if you open the box and, you know, there's a specimen in there that is HIV positive and there is blood involved or something like that. Um, you you can't have hepatitis B or C COVID-19 can't have COVID-19 if you are at least at the time of death when you're donating your body, HIV, AIDS, uh, extremely high or low body mass index, uh, all kinds of other things where it will, you will not be able to donate your body to science in this way. Maybe this is obvious to most people. Um, I have this question. I have a question. Like when you die and you are infected with this, your blood remains infectious. Obviously it's not like it all of a sudden just magically becomes inert. I'm not a scientist or doctor. I don't know the answer to that, but think, think, of, it, uh, think of it in terms of time windows. Right. So you can find traces of an infection from, let's say, an ancient body, right, for, uh, that had the plague in, you know, there's like markers 900 AD or something. Um, and a lot of context clues from, you know, if you participate in the art of grave robbing, which is now called archaeology. Kidding, kidding, archaeologists, <laughs> valuable science. Um, I do think, yeah, you, you do have to be careful around this sort of stuff. Also, this inspires me to suggest that we do do an episode on something related, which are body brokers in the U.S. The laws about who can and can't sell the dead and how they do it, they're shockingly open, open-minded. Let's put it that way. Interesting. But, but yeah, so sorry, uh, as you were saying, Matt, the um, issue there is the the infection and people wouldn't know like most times if you're if you're taking a, a body part or a cadaver unless you're an expert you're not going to be able to immediately know whether they have some sort of contagion right whether that could get to you and even if you are an expert you know you have to do several methodologically sound tests to figure that out and until you do better safe than sorry it's best to err on the side of caution i agreed well, that's why body donation programs are all about the other side, the early stuff, uh, signing up, registering yourself and letting your loved ones know. If you head over to sciencecare.com, you can learn all about it. Uh, I'm just going to give you a couple quotes from here. If you've decided body donation to science is an option for you, we encourage you to join the Science Care Online Donor Registry to express your intent to donate and let your loved ones know about your wishes. Here's the part that freaked me out, guys. There's a section below that that talks about if you or your loved one has been diagnosed as terminally ill or is in hospice care, you can call us to fill out the pre-enrollment form and begin the screening. And so like you can sign a loved one up if you've got, you know, if you've got the proper, I, I suppose, power of attorney or I, I don't know exactly how it works in this situation, uh, but you can sign your loved one up to donate their entire body to science. It's sort of like what they call a pre-need in funereal circles where you, you fill out, you know, all of the things that you want for your funeral in advance of actually expiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there is an extensive screening process that occurs after the wish to have a body donated occurs, right? So someone wants to do it, they register, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to happen. And remember, 
all of these bodies will be used by students during a semester of medical school. That's what this is for, generally. Generally. With one of these official programs. Also, I know I keep interrupting here, but also uh, these bodies sometimes get blown up in military testing. Just be aware. If you, yeah, depending on what it's donated to. Uh, at least in my knowledge. You said in Colorado, there's limited options, but in other states, there might be ones with more of a military flavor or like more of like a specific uh, discipline of science. Yeah, I haven't looked through all of them. Like it, just for instance, Georgia, you can donate to Mercer, uh, the Medical College of Georgia, Georgia campus of the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine and Emory. So you can there you go. Oh, in Morehouse, Morehouse School of Medicine also. Yeah, osteopathic would be more specifically regarding the bones, whereas Medical College of Georgia could be any number of things, uh, as as could Mercer. Yeah, often the the one I mentioned in Colorado, you're dealing with full body. They're generally performing full autopsies. Um, I see. And that's one of the reasons that you can't then, like if you donate your body to medical school, you can't, or for science in this way, you can't also donate your kidney because it's required for the students to learn. Like, where is the kidney? How it, how it uh, connects to all the other body parts. One piece of your body you can give away in, in a separate transaction if you donate your body to science is your corneas. I was about uh, to say, yeah. Yep. But you can't do it. You can't do it voluntarily to a stranger. I can tell you from personal experience, it's and it it should be totally legal. Uh, whatever the laws are never well, perfect, so should assisted suicide. I mean, going, you know, laws are never perfect, but they are always an opportunity to progress. Um, but yeah, agreed. Uh, I think this is a full episode. I think uh, we call it body brokers. Okay. Uh, well, that's the end of that segment. Um, do you have strange news going on? That you want to tell us about? Do you have any ideas for something we should be covering on one of these episodes? Why not reach out to us? You can find us on social media. We're all over the place on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We are Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't wish to uh, sip the social meds, as Ben would say, why not give us a telephone call at one eight three three stdwytk You've got three minutes. Tell us your tale. Give yourself a cool nickname. Uh, and let us know if it's okay to use your vocal likeness uh, on the air. Uh, and you may hear yourself in one of our weekly listener mail episodes. And if you don't want to do any of that, you can always just reach out to us via a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. 
your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.